Hey, casuals. It wouldn't be an episode if I didn't come in here and talk to you about tech issues. Uh, We tried a different program for doing uh, a long-distance podcast today, so there are some glitches in there. We edited most of it out, but as always, just be kind. Uh, We have gotten some feedback about how things sound great in people's headphones, but once it's in the car, there's something funky, so we are working on all that stuff, just so you know. We appreciate you bearing with us, uh, especially since it's just me and Amy doing this for free. Um, So yeah, thanks so much. And without further ado, let's get in to Parks and Recreation. What's up, everybody? I'm Amy Newman. And I am Chris Carr, and we are two filthy casuals. We know firsthand jumping into a new fandom, it can be intimidating, especially with all that gatekeeping out there. Exactly. Which is why on this podcast, we bring in a super fan to talk to us about why they love their fandom and answer your questions, no matter how silly they may seem, so you can dip your toe in sans judgment. And today, we have a fabulous guest on. She is a singer-songwriter. She is an actress. She's a beautiful land mermaid. And the host of Park Pals, the go-to Parks and Recreation podcast, Miss Holly Constant. Woo! Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. I can't stand it. I'm so pumped about this. Because you've been doing Parks Pals for ages now, it seems. Like... Yeah. Oh, yeah. It seems crazy. I guess we I think we started it in 2020, like everybody started their podcasts. Um, But yeah, Park Pals was the first like foray into um, like making this like fandom a real thing. So I'm so excited to be on another fandom podcast. We're so happy to have you. The best. Oh, my God. So just kicking things off. What is it about Parks and Recreation, NBC's Parks and Recreation, that you love so gosh dang much? Oh, my God. Thank you so much for asking. <laughs> also, can I just say this is so wild to be interviewed because I am so on the other side of it. We're always doing it. You're always the interviewer. Yes. Uh, oh, my gosh. It feels so nice. Um. Anyways. Uh. Yeah. So for me, I, I try to think about when I first started this watching Park uh, Parks and Rec. I really honestly couldn't tell you, to be honest, but I just know that it's one of those things that was on Peacock and Netflix and all those. Um. But the thing that I love about it so much is, first of all, it's a lady led show. Amy Poehler is just so talented. I'm a huge improv nerd. I love improv. Love Amy. Um. But I also really relate to Amy so much Um. or Leslie and. And I feel like you and I, and maybe you too, Amy, um, Amy Newman, have uh, this in common where we're like Leslie's of the world. I was told today watching it with my husband that I have, quote, Tom Haverford energy, and I don't know what that means. Oh, my God. I mean, that's a good and a bad thing. <laughs> also, not the first time I've been told that's lovely. <laughs> this is like Tom Haverford. Oh, uh, my best friend. What? That makes me really happy. Yeah. I you I could see you being an entrepreneur. I could see you saying chicken nuggies and chicken parfar. Yeah, true. Look, he has his soft moments. He has his moments when he's so heartfelt. There's just moments when he's putting on a facade because he's nervous that people will like dislike him or hate him. Okay. It's fine. It's fine. Oh shit. Oh god, she read right through me. <laughs> But he also invented Treat Yourself. Treat Yourself is literally because of Tom Haverford and Donna. So that in and of itself is choice. 100%. Um, but And then to just round out my answer, the last thing that I love about it, which I think is just so common in the Sherverse, is that it's such a community. And when you watch it, you really feel like you're home. And you have these cast of characters that are just so like people that you know that are in your hometown. I am a small town girl myself, so I can really, and even in LA, whatever, like who cares? The bigger, whatever. So for anyone who might not know, when you refer to the Sherverse, that is 
several shows. Yes. So Mike Schur is the creator of The Office, Parks and Rec, The Good Place. And he also has his hand in so many other amazing shows as well. Uh, uh, Well, and I'm surprised I don't have... Greg Daniels is also the creator of The Office. uh, And he and Mike Schur built this wonderful partnership. And I'm surprised I don't have like... A Daniels verse, if you will, because Greg Daniels also did King of the Hill. He was a part of SNL, like all these things. Um, but Mike Sure, I think it just really created that small town vibe of like this small little cast of characters is in this hometown. And not many shows have so many co-stars that come back so much. So we see all of these townspeople, waiters, waitresses, like store owners, that kind of stuff. And not many shows have them come back or like police officers or whatever come back like four or five times or more than that to round out the community and I think Mike Scher is really good at doing that and he that's like one of his strengths I would say so yeah that's the Shervers. <laughs> I feel like honestly if it's like did you binge it while you were depressed one time it might be in the Sherver. <laughs> yeah <laughs> honestly yes <laughs> I mean even I think maybe the office for being dark or anything but kind of a little bit the snarkiest of the three like all shows ultimately about kind of the good of humanity and how much it, you know it's like at the end of the day the office is a really touching show about how we can kind of make meaning out of anything even you know this really mundane office job we, we make connections mm-hmm. and find something there that's so true and it is interesting i mean i honestly i don't mean this in a disrespectful way but it's honestly kind of graceful to give mike sure the office too because he didn't necessarily create it he was a part of the writing crew first and uh but he did create the good place and the office and he's also worked closely i think with like shows like brooklyn 99 and brooklyn 99 was not created by sure i just want to say that but dan gore created it which he was uh, a huge director writer producer on parks but um have you guys seen that show called what is it called upload or something and creed is in it really briefly yeah that was greg daniels and mike sure too i believe well maybe it was just greg daniels i don't know if sure was in it but either way i think of that as kind of the multiverse <laughs> you know what I mean? we did actually have adam 96 hero was asking if you think they should have done a crossover with the office should there have been shervers mm-hmm. crossover Oh, that would be so fun. I wouldn't be mad about it. I think that would be fun. I don't know. I think that the towns themselves are like close enough. I'm speaking um, film locations. <laughs> They're close enough. Uh, so like it's super easy to go from set to set. That would be fun. I could totally see that. Because there was that weird kind of connective thing. Supposedly, you can tell me if this is correct or not. I had heard that they wanted to basically do the spinoff, but it was like the character that came from the office was the copy machine. Oh, uh, I had not heard that. But I did hear, you know what I have heard slash seen in my research for the podcast? Oh, my God. I feel I feel like those uh, bros that are like, well, on my podcast, we talk about this, that, da, 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 da. So uh, I'm just going to skate right past that. Anyway, um, <laughs> when I do research, I did. We'll have you plug Athletic Greens in just a moment and Manscaped. <laughs> Maybe Helix mattress. We can all get a mattress. (laughs) Um, But no, I did read in my research that um, technically Parks and Rec was supposed to be a spinoff. I don't know how. There's there's not any uh, factual evidence, if you will, as far as like what and how that was meant to happen. But it was supposed to be a spinoff of, um, I believe, like 
either the I want to say either the accountants or like somebody else because they had those webisodes for the accountants. It was somewhere in that realm. But then I just don't think it worked. And they just created a whole other situation. Well, and to be honest, uh, and I'm sure we'll we'll delve into this, the uh, the infamous first season of Parks and Rec, which it does start a little slow and it does take a minute to find its footing. And I say that as a huge fan of the show. A complaint I sort of felt and I sort of heard is it kind of tried to be the office a little too hard out the gate. Mm-hmm. Like Leslie Nope felt a little close to Michael Scott as a character. And once they realized, like, oh, let's go a little more positive, let's make her a little more confident at her job and just relentlessly like optimistic and passionate rather than kind of bumbling. Mm-hmm. And I think they found their footing a lot more. I don't know if you feel that way, but. Yeah, well, I definitely have read that Amy Poehler was really intimidated at first, and maybe intimidated is the wrong word, but she was a little nervous because people were just expecting her to be Michael Scott. They did not want her to be her own character. They just was, they were like, oh, this is going to be the next Michael. And what was wild about it, and I've stopped, I've since stopped researching the reviews because they just make me mad, honestly. As And by reviews, I mean like this one had two point. 5 million viewers less than the last episode and everyone hated the first hated is a strong word but everyone was really kind of stuck on the first ep- or first season because she a wasn't Michael Scott b it's okay if a man is not competent at, at his job and whatever but because she was like so wonderful and like i don't know it was just like she was so positive and it just became too much. Whereas when Michael Scott is positive about something or like over the top with something, it was like, Oh, that's so charming. And he's so funny. And for them or for Leslie, it was like, why is she like so fucking happy? Like she should not be as excited about government work as she is. And I was like, okay. Kind of falls into that fallacy of the sitcom, right? Where you can have, this kind of oafish lady or humbling or whatever husband figure. Mm-hmm. But the wife needs to be like pretty hot, have it together, be a homemaker, but also still has a career yeah. or is also career minded or is able to do these other things. And when we've seen the inverse on shows, sometimes it didn't always pay off like early 90s sitcoms. Right. Mm-hmm. And we've obviously seen a change in that over time of like, no, we can play around with like what gender roles are in the home and who can do this and what is conventionally a male job or was conventionally a female job. But I do think that is one of the things that this show struggled with so much was, oh, this is about a career woman Mm -hmm. who we are already comparing to a different male character. Yeah, totally. And she's older. That's another thing I really personally love about the show as much as I do with 30 Rock. They're not an intern. They know what they're doing. They've been in this position for a million years. And... I think that also might have, like you said, she's a career woman. So it did get stuck, I think, on the audience. Plus, like in the first season, let's be honest. I mean, I remember, I think I still have it. That first uh, DVD cover is her, Tom and Anne. Those are the three main characters. Um, like they're Donna and Jerry and the rest of them aren't even really thought about. So they didn't really have the, I think, this is my opinion, I don't think they had the uh, ensemble that The Office had at that time. That makes a lot of sense. How do we feel about Mark Brandanowitz? Because I have feelings, but I don't want to speak for you. I am pro-Brandanowitz, but let's be clear. 
when the competition, quote unquote, is between Ben and Mark, Ben wins every time. But Mark, I'm not I think he I think he was a funny character. I think that he was a nice foil. Uh, but I think they ran out of things to do with him. And so I'm pro Mark. Interesting. I know. I know. It's controversial. I would have loved to see him come back. Like he could have, I know he got another job with like the public sector. I would have loved to see how they could have maybe incorporated some working relationships that way. But I guess it just didn't happen. Just for everyone's edification, just so we can kind of like benchmark for people who've never watched the show too. Like who's Mark? Oh, yeah. Kind of what's the general thrust of this show centering around Leslie Nope? What is Perks about, if we could distill it? Yeah. Uh, oh, my gosh. Well, it's about a city council. And you guys, I would love to hear your guys' like, uh, summaries of this, too. But, yeah, it's about a city councilor. Or, well, she's not a city councilor yet. I'm so sorry. It's a spoiler. But also, like, not really, because it was 100 years ago. Anyhow, she's a, a bureaucrat. And she is working her... She works in the Parks Department. And she has this cast of characters underneath her and above her uh, in the likes of Ron Swanson, who is her deputy director and uh she is just trying to make a way and it really starts because she's trying to build a park out of this awful pit in the back of her uh what becomes her best friend's house and it's like a menace and it's terrible and she wants to build this park and it's just like all the red tape that she has to go through to make people happy and to uh try to be a good person and all the trials and tribulations that she has to go through to get through that red tape, really. Um, and then Ben, spoiler, is a romantical involvement person. <laughs> and Mark is in the first, uh, uh, is in season one and two. And he was a romantical involvement person. But that's also why I think that I am pro Mark, because so many people look at Mark as the romantical person for Leslie. And is that going to happen? Will they, won't they thing? And I, like, after the first couple episodes, like, yeah, Leslie does harp on, okay, I slept with Mark once, like, maybe we'll get back together or, or have some sort of, like, you know, reconnaissance or something like this but I just after those first couple of episodes I was like okay Leslie's making a bigger deal out of this than it is and I never looked at him as like who she's going to end up with but I think people really started comparing of like oh well she's not going to end up with him so he should just leave and so that's why I'm kind of not against him if that makes sense I feel like it also, again, was another one that got a bit of unfair office comparison of just as, mm-hmm. as sort of an archetype, as sort of a character. It's like, well, he's no Jim. He's no Jim from the mm-hmm. office. That that always was yeah. sort of my feeling towards him, whether or not that was entirely fair or not. She had to have a mark, too, to understand, like, what an actual relationship was going to be like, you know, because mm-hmm. it's this guy who, like, she's way more into. Yeah. And then we see somebody who actually will are several men who come into her life. Right who are at her level, yeah. who are very, very driven, who, or who are very doting on her, yeah. or who are yeah. matched the level of weird. And I think that's right. part of the fun discovery of this is Mark Brandanowitz is a fine guy. He's nice. Mm-hmm. He's as beige as they get. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And whoever yeah. you think maybe is the ideal man for you isn't, or the ideal partner in general of just like, yeah, it's so great that you fantasize about this person who is so... And a bit of a yes serves better too. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. he's fine. But like, there's a better guy for you out there. And there's a guy who genuinely wants you and you deserve that. Yeah. 
Yeah, and hundred percent. You like three episodes in, you're like, oh yeah, it's not this guy. Yeah, <laughs> it's not this one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and from like a TV a show perspective i mean mark was kind of the dry humor i have to be the straight man to your funny guy kind of vibes but then Anne does that when watching an episode i was like oh they have a really perfect straight man in Anne, and i think that's part of why mark didn't work yeah yeah he just feels redundant yeah but there's so many characters on that show who really found their footing within those first couple of seasons so i am curious it's like would they have found really that like oh that's who mark is he's not just the straight man he's not just kind of not jim from the office he's right because of the mark brandanowitz of it all because of the awkwardness of the office comparisons and this is a question that got written in too from kyle marquis is can you just skip the first season can you go straight to like when ben and chris come to town or do you need that first season as a foundation where can people start their viewing process okay now I personally think that, no, you cannot skip season one. <laughs> Strong opinions on this. I like it. <laughs> Listen, if you are a fan of The Office or if you have friends that uh, are maybe not fans of The Office, you know that there are like choice episodes, key episodes to get them, get their feet wet, get them kind of into it. I feel the same way about Parks, but... I do think you need to see where Leslie gets her uh, motivation from and how she meets Anne and how she is a leader to Tom and that arc of Ron, too. Like, there is such a difference in how Leslie reacts to not only her uh, surroundings as far as the bureaucracy, but also to the people around her and how she has changed. And I just think that and she just has such a such an arc. Um same thing with April as well. Um, her beginning uh, season is rough and many characters are at the beginning. But I personally think that it starts a foundation. It gets you understanding where she's coming from and why she's so passionate about this. Uh, and it also starts with uh, it has the whole pit thing. And also, you guys, season one is only six episodes because they weren't sure if it was going to get picked up forever. So don't skip it. It's worth it, <laughs> in my opinion. Push through it. It's six episodes. If you don't, Shit. don't give up on it in season one. Yes. But yeah. if you're planning on watching the whole thing, just want it takes like a couple hours to get through season one. You're fine. Yeah. Grow up. Watch the show. Watch six episodes. Grow up and learn about a pit. Learn who the hell Mark Brandanowitz is and maybe you'll like him. I don't know. <laughs> Watch TV. Get a life. Come on. <laughs> Well, and that's the thing, too, with Mark. That's what I was going to say, too. So we interviewed Norm Hiscock, who is a producer, writer, director on, like, everything uh, in the Sherverse, now that we know what that term means. And I asked him, because I had been waiting to ask a writer or producer, what the hell happened to Mark? And it was way less scandalous than I thought it would be. <laughs> now, that being said, I don't think he would have said anything rude, because not only is Norm amazing but and, like, so kind, but also just in general, I think the whole idea of the show and everyone involved is so sweet and, like, not would not be scandalous. However, he did say, to our point, that I think at the end of the day, his purpose was kind of served. And we have characters that are going to do what he's going to do. Plus, Mark was unhappy 
also at the end of the day in this show. And as much as Ron is unhappy, he also provides such a different identity to this cast of characters. And Mark didn't really provide that. So it to me, I think about it like if again, sorry, there's so much crossover with The Office, but most people would understand. I think of it uh, like Roy in The Office, like they kind of wanted to keep him around. And I even remember some behind the scenes uh, with like interviews of Roy, whoever plays that, um, who was like, I'm not coming back, am I? Like that it's it's done. And and it was nothing. It was literally no hard feelings. It was just like, we got to move. We got to look forward, you know? He's also just hearing you talk about that, uh, just kind of served his purpose. And yeah, he's, he's kind of this negative character and any sort of. I don't know, sardonic, sort of a little, you know, eye-rolly. And that's just not quite, even the characters in the show like April, like Ron, who might not like government or might not like their job, they're so grounded in their truth and what they feel. And hearing you say that, it kind of made me realize like, oh, a character who is sort of that I'm going to sit back and snark on everything, like Jim in The Office, doesn't quite fit with the vibe of this show because it is mm-hmm. even when the characters don't want to be there they're so earnest in what they do feel that is so true great point yeah they do keep this picture in ron's office the one that he makes uh for the park like competition or whatever instead of the rat wheel that they end up with <laughs> um, so they do keep that throughout the series and that's a really nice nod to him i point it out every time <laughs> You mentioned, though, shows like this having, if you're kind of in the fandom and you want to get people in, Mm -hmm. having episodes that are the like, oh, this is one to watch if you're like curious or if I'm trying to win someone over on it. What are yours? If someone said, I've never seen Parks and Rec, sell me on it. Oh, my gosh. I would say the first one would be, uh, oh, my gosh, I forgot the name of it. But the one where she's at the uh, ice rink when she's giving her campaign speech and everything just goes to shit and Get On Your Feet by Gloria Estefan is playing for 100 years. (laughs) That one. It's just like if I think about it, I like giggle to myself. Yeah. Yeah. I could show someone that on YouTube. I think if someone showed me that and I'd never seen the show, I'd be like, oh, I might want to watch this. That's pretty funny. (laughs) It's so good. And it shows... I think that episode in particular, I mean, this show is so good at doing this in general, but that one in particular is so good at showing each individual person's character and how they relate to Amy or Leslie. Uh, And it also shows uh, Ben and how Ben comes in to kind of work with her instead of against her, as opposed to what they thought he would be poisoned to the campaign. But he's really only poisoned to the campaign when he's not uh, (laughs) a part of it if that makes sense. And for those of you that are new here, um, she does run for city council, which is what I'm talking about, where she has a campaign trail and she goes to this ice rink uh, and she, or well, it's not supposed to be an ice rink. It's supposed to be a basketball court so that they can all, you know, go. But then Tom doesn't get enough red carpet um, and April didn't listen. And now it's an ice rink and they can't get all out there. And it's just, it's classic physical comedy, regular comedy. It's everything. Yeah. It's a real good one. I feel like my if I'm gonna just like rewatch one episode to make myself laugh, it's I think it's called the fight, the one where they all get snake juice and because it is it's a mockumentary style show and just like the the quick cut of everyone's talking head just completely shit faced is one of my favorite sequences in that whole show. Brilliant! That's such a good one. I can't believe I didn't say that. That's so good. Oh my god, the better. To your point earlier about sure creating these communities and everything. 
there's so much specific world building that keeps coming back in this one, right? Where we've got Snake Juice, we've got uh, the Cones of Dunshire, Little mm-hmm. Sebastian. Sebastian, the Bulge. We have all these very like specific <laughs> things that continually come up throughout this. Are there any standouts of that to you too that are like, oh, if you want to get into the show, you need to know about like the story of Sue Salads or like this is the the through line I want you to follow on this this weird perfume line. Oh my god. <laughs> um, I would you know it's kind of a mix right now. I was gonna say honestly, just uh, the pit is the <laughs> is the thing that uh, and what everything that happens on that lot. As the show goes on, I think is one of the biggest things for me. I was going to say Harvest Festival, but then I was like, um, which is, but then that ends kind of, and that kind of skyrockets her into the next thing. But um, yeah, the way they bring back Dennis Feinstein's perfumery is hilarious. (laughs) Oh my God. Got to one of the ones where they referenced that Ben was um, a a mayor of his town at 18 (laughs) and was it spent like the whole town's budget to build a, an ice ring? Town. I think the headline like an ice town cost town clown. Yes, ice town clown drowns something bank account. I don't know. Something. <laughs> the absolute failure of ice town and that he was a disgrace to teenage mayor. It's very funny. <laughs> oh my god, that's amazing. You know, that was based off of Alan Yang, who was a huge writer on the show and briefly had a Parks uh, podcast. His hometown of Riverside, California, which is near you guys, sort of, kind of, uh, had uh, an ice skating rink, I believe, called Ice Town. And he used to see a bumper sticker, like, around, they had a bumper sticker, like, people could buy. And it was, li- I think it was literally called Ice Town. And it, uh, but yeah, that's why Alan Yang wrote that. <laughs> Riverside, California. You're getting on the map today, baby. Yeah. It's doing it. <laughs> Are there any, because I, I assume you watch this show a fair amount. Are there any episodes you don't like? Are you guys pro slash anti-Mark? I know, Amy, you kind of told me what your vibes are. Chris, what about you? I mean, what a, what a warm fart on a cold toilet seat of a human. <laughs> I do I do agree with you though that you need to see that journey to see where it all goes. And I especially love watching those episodes because of how aggressively Leslie goes after Anne. Mm-hmm. Um, and it always makes me think of my friendship with you. Being like you're my friend. You will be my friend. Just to go on the record, I think it is partly it's like being the worst character on Parks and Rec is like it's, you know, the guy who came in last at the Tour de France. Like, it's yeah, being sure. the worst in a very good thing. Like, yeah. Mark Pendwitz on a worst TV show, I would probably be completely charmed by. Totally. But I have such strong positive feelings about almost every other character on that TV show. Yeah. That yeah. it's hard to really be sad that he yeah. did, didn't last. Yeah. And also, listen, okay, this is the last thing I'll say about Mark, unless we go to it naturally. But I will say he also was not super mega uh, improv background. He I think I remember um, hearing some interviews with him where he was like, 
And Adam Scott wasn't either, but I think he meshed a little bit more slash they had a little bit more of a, uh, you know, a, an arc already built for him anyway. So he kind of had to. But Mark was more like he was doing indie films and or Paul Schneider, I think is his real name. Um, he was in indie films. He was in Elizabethtown, if you're a fan. Uh, and so like he was not really used to doing like the comedy stuff or. And so I also think that may be shown through a tiny bit uh, just for this particular mockumentary. I still think he's wonderful at comedy. I've seen him in other comedy things. But. But um, this particular was like kind of specific, kind of a kind of a combination of a little bit of an aimless character and someone who couldn't click into it. Yeah, of like I feel like if they gave him a little bit stronger, more yeah. grounded, like oh, this is who he is, he yeah. probably would have done fine with it. But just kind of a weird miscast, miss right, miss yeah, yeah. yeah. But to answer your question um, from, you know, 10 minutes ago, uh, I think that I don't know that there's an episode that I don't like um there are definitely episodes that are more for lack of a better word maybe fillers like they're just building up to the next episode so not a ton happens but one i guess arc that i don't love is what they do with Anne all of the time i think that they don't quite know where to put her and i'm seeing this more and more as i like watch episode by episode uh, episode by episode and research and her leaving and like one episode she says she's not good with kids and the next episode she wants to have a baby and then I'm just like what is happening um you didn't like Chris you were by yourself and now you're gonna have a baby with it like it to me it just seemed a little like do we need to do that um I think that since she was such a straight man to everyone else is crazy maybe that's why but and I loved her perspective with Leslie, but I don't always think that she got the like independence that she kind of I wanted to see her and Tom. That arc of the two of them getting together always sticks out in my head of a bit of a what 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 are we doing here? Yeah, that doesn't feel right for anybody. Like the only good thing that came from Tom and Anne is baby, I'm sorry for how I acted. Which is a song that Tom sings. <laughs> I wasn't a huge fan just because I was like, I don't think Ron would do this morally. I hated what happened when he murders that kid. When he murders that whole family. Um, <laughs> that one would have made sense to me. I buried it in my yard with the gold. I didn't like the whole um, Wendy situation. That was Tom's first uh, mm-hmm. wife, correct? The the isn't what the 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 she that he marries the with the green card yeah, situation. The, the ex-wife who Ron yeah. briefly dates. Yeah, the, he. Ron dates Tom's ex-wife. Mm-hmm. That hookup I always really rubbed me the wrong way. And I understand mm-hmm. this was a green card marriage and da-da-da-da-da. But it just did still feel icky. Mm. Yeah. And I don't know yeah. if Ron Swanson would have done that. I feel like, although, I mean, I don't know, he kept marrying women with the same names and wearing his red shirts and, I don't know, his life. Yeah. But, so it's just like, I don't know. I don't I don't want Tom and Ron in a love triangle. I don't. That's what I want those characters to do. Well, here's what I'll say is that season two or whatever season that happens in season two, Ron, maybe season. Yeah, I think it's season two. I kind of think that season Ron would do that season four and up or maybe even end of season three, Ron. And no, he calls Ron. He calls Tom Tommy. He's trying to get Tom's job back. He would not do that at that point. But I think before that, I don't know. Debatable. When he hasn't accepted that he's everybody's father figure. Yeah, totally. Exactly. (laughs) The people's daddy. What's up, Nick Offerman? 
Oh my god. Oh my god, by the way, Nick Offerman is in Candy Cane Lane on Amazon Prime, which I had no idea until I started watching it with Eddie Murphy, the Christmas movie. It was really cute. I actually enjoy it. I think it's a fun uh, concept for a, for a movie. Basically, the idea, if, if anyone's not familiar, uh, is that the 12 days of Christmas come to life, basically. Um, yeah, and Eddie Murphy and his family have to kind of like make them go not to life kill them but not really kill them because they were like ornaments or something before whatever this holiday season eddie murphy kills christmas should we pivot to a line episode or (laughs) you make that shift yeah Yeah. we've talked a lot about all our favorite friends in pawnee who is your favorite character and why is it mark brandon oh my god this is a two-parter because yeah we as you mentioned and and as i was like watching the show i was really struck by and you referenced it earlier such a good lived in cast of like supporting players too, like amazing ensemble. And I would put it up there, honestly, with like the Simpsons for, I think, one of the strongest just like has to be characters that live in this town. And when they show up, I'm always like they what they do is very clear, like their shtick is very clear. And I'm always happy they're there. So favorite yeah. cut main player and favorite supporting. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Well, my favorite character in all seriousness is Leslie, hands down. I mean, she's just such an inspiration to me. I always think about what would Leslie do, except for I'm not as uh, I do think that she can. And I can understand that she has flaws. She is a little self-centered and doesn't always think through her decisions and who it's going to affect. Uh, but she just cares so much. And she's good at coming back and like apologizing if she needs to uh, or stepping back from steamrolling and kind of hearing people. Um, so that's my first one. And then, oh God, that's hard. The, I would say it's kind of, oh God, it's a tie. Um, I'm trying to go with character and not people I've interviewed because they're all so wonderful. But I would say first is, um, Kirk Fox who plays sewage department Joe. (laughs) So good. And second is Dr. Harris, uh, AKA Cooper Thornton who plays that role. Uh, they're both so funny and I just love them. Nice. Excellent. Wonderful, wonderful picks. Yeah. Again, I feel like my character is almost harder because mm-hmm. they no. all so specific and so funny. Do you guys have any? Oh, man. I love I loved John Ralphio. Yeah. Oh, and God. I, I feel like a perfect example of a, like one thing that show did really well, too. I think they didn't overuse their beat characters. Like so that's a, true. a perfect example of a character that it's like, I'm delighted when you pop up because I don't see you that often. If we got like a bunch yeah. of centric episodes, maybe not because he's just such a big character. It would have been only made for me. Yeah. <laughs> Ralphio and maybe Joan Calamezzo. Just oh, Joan. Lobby. <laughs> Hot mess of a reporter or like talk show host. Yeah, you know? I love that so much. Oh, my God. Yeah, they're so good. All the Sapperstein's. Yeah. I love them. I yeah. love that whole family. I think they're me wonderful. too. Gosh, so funny. I also love Barney, the accountant. He's great. Oh, yeah, that's <laughs> precious. I know. All the accounting stuff is always fun. We rewatched that uh, episode of Ben just like finding his stride and like winking back after he has his calzone. That's one of my favorite moments of the entire show is just like Ben White fucking feeling himself. <laughs> I think, I don't know. I mean, I guess I'm biased because whatever, but I, I think that it does a pretty good job actually um, of making you see as the audience that she is up against a struggle at every single point and every single turn. Um, and she's up against all of these people who 
are have been in their job for 100 years. They don't actually care. I love how they portrayed city council and how they portrayed her trying to like actually get shit done and like pass bills. And everybody's like, uh, I'm good. We we all have a pass here, actually, where you you know, that one episode where it's like, who is it? Like, it's either Dexhart's turn or whatever. Um for his bill to be passed. And it's not even about like the merit of the bill. It's just like, it's his turn by. Um, I, I really appreciated that. Um, I know I have heard people say like certain guest stars or certain, uh, stories that I can't honestly remember off the top of my head are a little dated, but, um, and I, 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 to be honest, I, I have seen that myself. I, again, like I said, I wish I could tell you off the top of my head what it was, but there have been like certain lines that I'm like, mm, I don't know if that would fly, but it's definitely not as uh, dated as The Office. And I'm sorry to say that, but suppose we get Louis C.K. as a cop if we take the street about a day <laughs> for a couple of reasons, but, but you know, no. rough. Yeah, I and I hate I yeah, I kind of struggle with that sometimes when I am reviewing the show uh, because Dave as a character, fuck, that's a great character, dude. Like, it's really good. And I don't know how to separate it uh, sometimes. But yeah, that would be not great in this day and age. In real life, you're very politically active. You're very, very involved in the national community. Is it something that pushed you to do that? Or did that just kind of happen tangentially? That happened tangentially. Um, I, I, I would, lo- I mean, I would love to say that it happened because of her, but I think more than anything, it was more of a parallel, uh, because the things that were happening in Nashville, as far as race and gun control was something that I just couldn't ignore anymore. And so I became really involved in like trans rights and, uh, you know, women's rights, things like that, like literal laws that were being passed that, uh, I just could not sit by and do nothing and even if that meant just posting a social media post about like here are the like things that we're actually voting on and then when I started to do the research of you know especially these local government is so important it stems from here it starts here and that's one of the things that has been the biggest I think eye-opener for me both watching the show and also seeing these things happen in real life of like you know you have to vote if you want to keep the swimming pool open but also there's this other thing that you should probably pay more attention to than a swimming pool (laughs) or like whatever it is because um just getting those fucking hours for the swimming pool took that long and that much like manpower to think about. So if you think about all the other laws that you're needing to, you know, be educated about, because the thing about it, and that's what I think this show does a really good job of, is that people working in government are not always out for your best interest. And you have to be so vigilant as a citizen, as a person. It's so hard to be a person, but especially as a citizen, an informed citizen. I mean, I get these ballots and I see the things that are on them and I start to research and I'll have to go page after page of Google things before I actually get to what is being voted on. And I think that is something that I started making TikToks and videos about being like, here's like the amendments and the weird things. And then she talks about that a lot on Uh, her campaign trail of like, are people actually going to these? And I'm looking at the town halls and I'm like, they're during the day when people work. That's why people aren't going. And so, or like things that are virtual or whatever. So long winded answer, but it definitely has helped, I think, and inspired me to kind of understand what it is to be a citizen and how much she goes against and how realistic it is. Cause Mike sure did interview a lot of people in government buildings before he started 
the show with a lot of people. So I think that's I think that's really important. It was an awesome answer. Yeah. <laughs> that was the right amount of time. <laughs> I almost feel bad being like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, pivot back to this TV show. <laughs> I know, dude. Dude, you have no idea how hard it is. Um, I do that all the time because there are some serious like I went on this tangent about when they were talking about Sweetums. I went on this like huge tangent of how difficult it is for lower income families and lower income areas to uh, get healthy foods. And I was looking up like the top five most obese and they were all in the South, all very low income. And I'm just like, it's very expensive to be healthy. And that's also what she's going up against, too, because some people don't want to be healthy. They want to eat their fried foods. And, you know, so it's like this balance of like, how do I take care of this town while also fighting with them? You know what I mean? It's just like it. It's tough. And I think they do such a good job of that. And yet a show that manages to balance a lot of that with just such a relentless positivity. Like the heart of this show is so good. I rewatched the last episode and it's it's great and it works. Edie's almost funny how much the, the last episode, and I, I won't get into like details if you haven't seen it yet, but flashes forward through various time periods to show you that every character ends up as happy as they could possibly be. Yeah. Like most comically, yeah. just like all your friends are fine, I promise. <laughs> like, and that's kind of the part of the show. Like, even when things are bad, it's just like, you're gonna be okay. It's a big cup of chicken noodle soup of a show. Yeah. And I do think the positivity, I get what people are saying. I'll be honest. I get what people say are saying about it being too positive. But I do think that, especially in the later season, maybe it just takes her a while. I don't know. But in the later seasons, when they're trying to recall her, she gets fucking pissed. Like, she's mad. And she's not positive. She's like, maybe I should just leave this all behind. Like, it's, it's not all roses and parks. You know what I'm saying? Like... Also, like you're saying, being a human these days and in general, it's fucking hard. And sometimes having a show that is like, yeah, these challenges exist, but ultimately we believe in the good of humanity and that things will turn out well. That's that's okay. Not every piece of art needs to be a downer to be legitimate and and well done. And God, it's so hard. I mean, it's so uh, especially like. I just have been looking at the Tennessee three people, like all of the ones that sit up for gun control that are now famous to walk back into that building. And I think about that. I know it's fictional, whatever you can come at me, but to, for Leslie to walk back into that fucking building after they recalled her and for these people in real life to actually go back and still fight for what they believe in. Ugh, it makes me so like emotional. I think about it, but it also makes me fired up. So like, it's just beautiful. I couldn't do it. Emoji Reviews wants to know why the obsession with Denmark? I had to Google this. I did not remember for the uninitiated or those of us who forgot. Care to shed some light? Yeah, well, I know that the well I was thinking about this Um, so I know that the end uh, where she this is well, actually speaking of being recalled she is um, at a conference um, and the leader of Denmark is there because they're being awarded and Heidi Klum plays the I don't know was it governor or maybe it's just a city council as well in Denmark and they all love her they made like a cheese sculpture of her head or her body or whatever the fuck and it's like beautiful and they all are so excited and uh Meanwhile, Leslie's town wants her to get the F out. And uh, but then so that's one thing. 
And then I forgot they also, during the Model UN, do mention Denmark um, <laughs> quite a bit. <laughs> and I I don't know, but I do know that I looked up uh, Heidi Klum because I was so interested. I was like, how did she get involved with this? Like, who asked her? And I couldn't find the origin of it, but I did see an article that said um, Amy Poehler was like, Memor- not as memorized, um, but then she started impri- improvising stuff and she memorizes a lot of her stuff during rehearsal. And Heidi Klum was like so nervous and, and like embarrassed because she's a host and she doesn't always have to read, uh, you know, lines or memorize lines. She's like looking at a teleprompter or cue cards or whatever the hell. And so she was really nervous. And then she learned that Leslie or Amy Poehler doesn't really learn her lines either. And but then she quickly realized that like Amy Poehler doesn't need that much time because she's Amy Poehler first of all but sec- and has been doing this for 100 years but secondly she improvised a lot like that thing if you're familiar with that episode where she says um oh my god look at your face <laughs> like Amy Poehler was quoted as basically saying like that's all I can think about when I look at her so I just kept saying that <laughs> but no I don't know what Denmark the obsession or who like brought that out I don't know like regardless of Denmark's like actual uh politics or anything which I'm not going to pretend I know uh a- anything in depth but it does feel like just an easy shorthand for kind of a you know European socialist paradise like whether or not mm-hmm. that's anything near true I feel like if you like the bit of like oh everything in Denmark is wonderful and exactly what Leslie would dream it was politically like yeah. as kind of this like left-leaning optimistic politician just makes a lot of sense to me exactly where my public school brain goes yeah denmark yeah yeah i don't know that's they're basically living like the jetsons they're giving kids like so much good smoked fish for free at lunch everyone has maternity and paternity leave that feels right yeah i don't care to google it i was thinking sweden maybe um like i don't know i felt like Sweden or Switzerland, but maybe it's just anywhere Norwegian. I feel like yeah. Denmark's just then funnier because it's just like a little less used and just like, you know what I mean? Like you hear Sweden a lot and like Denmark so true. a little, it just feels like more specific yeah. in a way that feels funny. That's my guess. I don't So true. I totally get that. But I thought she did a great job. I was really happy about her being on it. <laughs> Brady Diggler wants to, uh, I don't know if I said that it was from Emoji Reviews. Thank you. Brady Diggler wants to know, what would your treat yourself day look like? So that is so hard. Um, I think if travel was not a part of it, um, because my treat yourself day would be like literally getting on a plane and going to Hawaii. That would be like my number one thing. But if I'm staying uh, domestic, I would. Well, Hawaii is domestic. I am smart. Anyway, uh, I know about Denmark. So (laughs) if I don't have to cross a pond, I should say, which is also a British term. So whatever. Anyways, um, Holly, get it together. No, but in all seriousness, I think a spa would be number one on the list. I want to try so many things this year. It's kind of part of like my holistic health journey. Like I want to try acupuncture. I want to try chiropractic, like more chiropractic uh, care. I want to get facials more, massages. I'd be doing all that. Um, We did talk about this when we reviewed the Tree Yourself episode. And I don't know that there's anything like material, like a Batman suit equivalent for me. That I don't know. Mine is more about like uh, experiences, like the spa stuff, a really nice restaurant, great champagne, like maybe like a fucking $500 bottle of wine that I would never spend that on, like rooftop bars, that kind of buy. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Nice. What would you do? What would you do, Amy? I don't want to admit it. No. 
And if I couldn't get on a plane, because it's so goddamn on brand and I'm mad about it. If I couldn't get on a plane or anything, yeah, my first instinct would probably be uh, Disneyland Park Hopper and just like blow it up, like get a room at the Grand Californian, maybe a spa treatment there. Good uh, idea. Yeah, like go to all the like nicer restaurants on property, like have the fancy cocktail, have the nice dinner, have dessert. Probably be my treat yourself day. Yes. Nice. Chris. I have a list of restaurants from women based in Los Angeles who were on Tournament of Champions on Food Network. I would go to each of their restaurants that day. I would only drink high-end scotch. And then you already know that I want this thing because we talked about the Sailor Moon episode. There is a Sailor Moon lightsaber that is shaped like the wonderful baton sword she has in Sailor Stars. And it is, I believe, $500. And I would buy it without thinking. Instead of what I do currently, which is look at it once a week and go, one day. How much is it? It's like 500 bucks. Treat yourself. Okay, that's attainable if we put some savings together. <laughs> I, need to, I need to book something real good and not have debt. I mean, heard. Yeah. Uh, well, you get to advance the podcast, I swear, and not buy Chris that toy. Yeah. <laughs> we would never. <laughs> never. All together, we would never. Awesome. Uh, Grow up. Let Chris have a lightsaber. Let's see. And then we do have, uh, yeah, we have a couple couple questions we kind of already touched on. Uh, Nite Suarez, maybe, and I'm so sorry if I butchered that, just wants to know if you have a favorite cold open. Oh, my God. I think... Um, oh, I think the one, well, I'm sure there's so many, but one that I really love is when Leslie is rapping... Parents just don't understand whilst something awful is happening in the park. I can't remember what it was, but she goes the entire song. And Ron's just like, okay, I'll let you finish. Whatever. <laughs> Parents just don't understand. <laughs> oh, right. And then she like gets done and she's like, what did you need or something? Yeah. Am I going to get the right one? And he like drops some awful news on her. Yeah, he's like, someone's on fire in the park. Yeah. Something like it's, it's, I believe it's a tag, not a cold open, but uh, the, oh. the accountant. When John Ralphio goes in for the job and just walks, like, walks the full loop and they never stop walking and just get back around to the door. And by the end of, like, their, like, minute discussion, he's just like, you're fired. He's like, that's fair, but it just, like, keeps walking straight out the door. That one always sticks. Sounds not right. <laughs> that sounds about right. That's great. Wow, I love that. Thank you, JG uh, Superboy and K Marquis for also writing in, uh, just asking about. More about that that cursed Mark Brantanowitz. And, uh, <laughs> we can skip ahead to which Holly says, no, just Brandanowitz. I do love the joke that they gave when he does leave that they, uh, Tom, I think, says Brandana quits. And I think that's really lovely. <laughs> Got him. Well, there you go. Thank you for listening to the Mark Brandanowitz one. We did it. We thank, thank you. That you guys. I know everybody was wondering and staying up at night thinking about it. It's over. Okay, you can go to bed easy now. <laughs> Rest assured. Well, thank you to everyone who wrote in, and thank you, Holly. Yes, Holly. What would you like to plug? Oh my gosh. Um. Well, obviously you can listen to the podcast Park Pals podcast or the PPPPPPPP, <laughs> which is a joke from the show. If you're familiar. 
anyway, uh, yeah, we're on Instagram. We're just at Park Pals Podcast. Um, you can also follow me at Holly X Constant. I'm on TikTok and Instagram and all the things. Uh, we I've just started doing YouTube shorts too for the for the podcast. Um, which is so if you're a YouTuber, you can see it there. Um, and then what's great also, I don't know when you guys will have this out, but what's great is that we have a few episodes actually with your lovely Chris Carr actually coming out tomorrow because Chris has guested on Park Pals as well. So I think it's a wonderful little universe we're creating here. <laughs> we'll just fix that in post. We'll just say coming out January 4th. I try to keep my podcast, and I think I've said this before, like evergreen where you can't really tell when when we did it. But that all went to shit with the strike because I kept saying the dates, the months, the times, everything, what was happening during the strike. But like we had continued to record it. So like the old now you're getting episodes that were like recorded like three months ago or something. And I'm just like, I don't care. I just I'm I am authentic authenticity, you know, <laughs> you and I talk about like Halloween and it. <laughs> feel like the, the world moves too damn fast for that. I, like, like, God help us. I hope not. But like, I feel like a week from now, someone's going to drop about one of these parts and wreck actors. And it's just going to be like, well, who knows? That's why that's why we're going to release as quickly as possible. They're, just get it out. <laughs> get it out. They'll never know. Yeah. Wolf <laughs> they, they seem lovely. They're all so nice. Except for. Oh, yeah. Louis C.K. That one. No. Pratt's been kind of problematic every now and then, too. So whatever. It's fine. I mean, fine is a strong word, but listen, he didn't do that during the show, as far as I know. So I don't know. Whatever. It's just like I forgot to touch base on one thing. I just was so distracted by what everyone got so much better looking as this show went on. Like maybe not even better looking. Like I know most women are team chubby Chris Pratt, and they're right. Hell yeah. Like, uh, like more movie star e. Like God, they did read a dirty. That hair and makeup in the first couple seasons. Oh my and then god! Yeah, jumping to the end, I was like, "Smoking!" Oh, oh, she's stunning. Anyway, oh my gosh. I have such a thing with Donna though too. Like, she is one. of I think she is honestly almost a close second to Leslie. Like, as far as one of my favorite characters, because I have such a beef with the editing people. Even though I know you have to cut for time constraints, but because I have all the DVDs, I look at all the deleted scenes, and Donna has so many great deleted scenes and they're just zingers and she delivers them no one like if you saw this on the page no one could deliver it like her and they cut so much of it until i think like season five or six or something when which is like almost the end of the series when like she finally is more of a character and i was like even jerry gets more than donna in like these seasons that we've been seeing and i'm just like you guys ooh, don't get me started but she it's a they lean into her more as a character at the very end. And it's like, oh, she's been fantastic. Why so, were we not? Why were we putting her in the worst wig? Red is a queen. Yeah. Delightful on that show. I just, one of my 2024 goals is to just is to, to, to just shoot shots like Donna. Just two at a time, throw them back. Yeah. <gasps> Look out, world. Well, there you have it. I'm sorry. I sidetracked us. That's okay. I do that. Well, Holly, thank you so much for being here. We love you and your face. Thank you so much for having me. This was so much fun. Thank you for being here, dear listener. We will catch you soon. Amy and I are working on some Patreon content for you guys, so you can start supporting us because Mama needs that sword. Yeah, saber. <laughs> oh, bugging up. Just send me the uh, and call the dead out. I need my Sailor Moon toys. Thank you. <laughs> I am a 36-year-old woman who really wants a Sailor Moon lightsaber. And I feel like that's reasonable. That's reasonable. Absolutely. Well, with that, treat yourself, Chris. I'm Amy Newman. And I am Chris Carr. And remember, if you've followed this fandom, 
you'd be home by now. Bye.